Welcome to the 21st Century Physio Podcast, helping you bring your practice into the 21st century with the latest technology news, research reviews, and easy-to-implement practice tips. Now, here's your host, Stephen King. So welcome to the 21st Century Physio Podcast. We've got a massive episode today. We've got Arash Magsudi from the Prehab Guys joining us to share his knowledge about all things physio, physio or physical therapy, I should say, as well as uh, social media and scaling his knowledge uh, and expertise, not only in his local suburb, but right around the world. So thanks for joining us today, Arash. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I love how you said physical therapy. Anytime uh, I was just on a podcast with someone else from uh, uh, Australia, BFIT Physio, yeah. and I always used physio. I never said physical therapy because I figured that most of your following, or most physical therapists, I guess, around the world use the term physio. I think America is the only country that uses physical therapy. You guys like to do things a little bit differently over there. We're just talking about the inches versus centimeters and, and that's driving on the wrong side of the road, you know, all of these different things. <laughs> they have to be a little bit different. That's exactly right. Difference is a good thing. And it's, it's the thing that sort of, you know, really attracted me to get you on the podcast today is you're doing things very differently to a lot of other physios around the world. So you've obviously got, you're doing some clinical work. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got your uh, prehab guy stuff through social media. You've got lots of different, um, you know, courses and different apps and technology. So I'm really looking forward to delve into some of that and, you know, hear about why you decided to, to embark on this big journey. Yeah, I guess uh, just taking it back to why we started in the first place, we were, uh, the three of us, uh, Mike, Craig, and myself, Arash, were in physical therapy school or physiotherapy school. <laughs> And uh, it was our second year at PT school and we found online, there was just a lot of content that didn't seem to be credible and a lot of content that wasn't necessarily true. However, just because the individual had a six pack abs or a big, a big butt, like everyone was believing it. And in reality, that's not necessarily uh, the way it should be. Uh, There's that Kardashian index where there's true power. The point is that when someone has, uh, someone is credible to speak about a certain topic, that's a true positive and they have a following. But the problem was there's a lot of false positives that were out there when that's the people that can actually create deleterious effect to the public where you're given this information and they have a large following and people think that the information is right. However, it wasn't necessarily true. And so we wanted to fix this issue um, or at least give people an unbiased Uh, source of information that they can trust. And so initially, the three of us, we didn't know what we wanted to talk about exactly. But we knew we wanted, we knew we liked orthopedics, we knew we liked sports. And obviously, uh, within the realm of physical therapy, we wanted to combine everything. We took an evidence based approach. And at first, we cited everything that we claimed. I mean, uh, we were students at the time. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't give too much of our personal opinions. We didn't have the most experience at that point. However, uh, if you look at our content from day one until now, I mean, there's a massive change. We didn't know exactly what we're doing, uh, but we knew we wanted to put good information out there. And so from there, I mean, it's been three and a half years, January, 2016, um, is, is the time at which we started the online platform. And we didn't know it was going to expand to what it expanded to today. We didn't know it was going to be a business, which now it's, it's allowed us to cut down in hours clinically so that we can manage both our online platform and 
uh, see patients as well. Um, but that's kind of where the prehab guys got started. There's always, I think every, uh, every good business, I guess, comes from a, a problem and a frustration, I guess. And obviously you also some of that miscommunication out there. What were some of the big things that you were seeing online at the time that you really, you know, got you, you know, excited to go and start to do something a little bit different? You know, I think that personal trainers do a great job of marketing them, themselves online. And, uh, the problem is with a lot of them, the, the following seems to be very correlated with, how shredded somebody is. And so they, I, I'd see a lot of content, not necessarily pointing any fingers, um, but I'd see a lot of content with people talking about how, how to rehab certain what the pathology itself truly is. And uh, I think that was a, a big frustration of ours. And you, you'll even see nowadays, you'll go through social media and social media is good because it gives everyone an equal opportunity and anyone can, can build a big following. And it's the people that choose uh, who has that big following. You know, it's not like TV where uh, the, whoever has the contract with a certain network is the person that's going to be seen. The people decide who, who is that figure um, that's, that's going to be uh, uh, at the forefront of a certain sector. And so there would just be a ton of content with, with some trainers talking about rehabbing this or prehabbing that. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily in their scope. And there really wasn't physical therapy or uh, any big PTs on social media at the time. I know Kelly Surrett has opened the door tremendously to, to just physical therapy being like a cooler uh, mainstream thing. However, before that, there wasn't even a business profile on Instagram. Now every, every business has a, some type of social presence because they understand the value behind that. Uh, but at the time there wasn't really uh, a, that wasn't a thing. Businesses on social media weren't a thing. And so, um, yeah, we just wanted to make sure that people got that, that higher quality evidence-based information. Fantastic. And you've obviously done a good job that now you're having a massive reach, you know, right around the world, almost at 500,000 followers. Yeah, which yeah. is exciting. So when you started this journey, like, did you think you'd end up with you know something you know like that? Uh, not at all. I mean, <laughs> honestly, we. I still remember. It feels like not too long ago where we were in school in the basement studying studying for our tests, and then while we have some break, you know, as a as a whenever we get a chance, whether it's a lunch break or a snack break, we would just write up a post, film each other doing a certain exercise. And we were just doing it more because we wanted to help people. We, we realized we didn't know everything. Um, there's plenty of people that are way smarter than us in terms of the realm of physical therapy that, that aren't doing what we're doing. Um, but we realized that we had enough information uh, that we could actually help people positively. Uh, and we wanted to make sure, obviously, what we we're talking about were things that we felt comfortable with educating people on. But the way that I approach it is, what is it that I wish I would have known five years ago? What is it that I wish I would have known 10 years ago? Um, and I know if I wish I would have known that, it's going to likely help a lot of other people that are in the footsteps of where I was five years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, we really didn't know that it was going to end up being this large at all. I mean, we, we really stuck, stuck to our mission statement. And the goal is always to, to provide value to our followers, which has allowed us to continue to build week after week. 
very consistently. And it wasn't like one day we woke up with a hundred extra thousand followers. It was very, very slow and consistent. Initially we did all of the heavy lifting. We, every time we got a comment, I'd engage with it. Every time um, someone would uh, write a question or even sometimes people would like our posts and I would DM them, Hey, thank you for the engagement. Like all this stuff that people don't even think about doing, you know, I wanted to make sure I, I was very appreciative and all three of us were like this. We're very appreciative of every one of our followers. I mean, even still like on our direct messages, I'll take my phone and I'll video respond to people because I'm very appreciative for people taking the time out of their day to, to like or engage or even ask a question. Um, a lot of questions are not questions that are appropriate to be answered via DM just because they're all, a lot of them are asking for help with some, something that needs to be addressed in person. Um, but no, I mean, we, we slowly and very steadily stayed consistent and uh, just continue to master our craft, continue to reflect and find what it is that people are engaging with, people aren't engaging with. Um, and I mean, it was a very, very slow process. I'll tell you that. I mean, it took a while before we had any type of engagement that was, that was kind of like, Oh, we made it. Yeah. I love you talking about the video messages. I think that's, uh, that's something we've started using ourselves in our, in our clinic uh, sort of business responding to patients who are asking questions. And I think that's yeah. for us been a massive um, you know, factor in, in driving a lot of new patients in through the door, that personal aspect. So yeah, I love hearing you, uh, you talk about that. Yeah, so you- I love it. I mean, it's also just going off of that. I mean, it's all about value at the end of the day. Even if you show that you care a little bit, that little bit goes a long way. It takes me 10 seconds. It actually takes me less time to film myself saying something than it does uh, to have me write it out. And I, that person interprets is larger when I send a video versus when I just type something out. Um, but more importantly, it's providing value. And if I can help a tiny bit, uh, that is enough to have that person realize that I'm trying to help them. Um, and that's what our content is. It's all about trying to make sure we're bringing the most value that we possibly can. Um, that way, if we do have an ask, which we really haven't tried to sell much, um, and that's why we try to stay away from a lot of different partnerships as well, because we want to stay true to what, what we're showcasing. Uh, it, it's something that people realize, okay, this, this must be a legitimate product or a legitimate piece of equipment. Yeah, fantastic. Now I want to touch on something something you sort of just said before. Is that you know we, these things would be better addressed in person? So yeah. I'm interested to get your take on that one uh, because there's a lot of um, people getting into virtual consulting in the you know physio business these days. And two, obviously you've got some some products and and some courses and apps around self management um, at home as well. So I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts around around this topic. Yeah. So I, I guess that's two, two, two different things, but yeah. I'll, I'll try to address both of them. Um, the virtual consultations, I, we've done a bit of that. Uh, however, we're staying away, especially telehealth. We're staying away from at this point. Um, we're doing more prehab, like more strength and conditioning programming um, for people that are looking to gain something virtually, especially if they're out of the state of California. Technically, I'm and I'm located in Los Angeles, California. Uh, but if they're technically out of the state of California, I can't legally address their pain or dysfunction. I can build them a prehab program, and it gets a little convoluted at that point. So we're steering away from true telehealth. However, I do think there's utility and value behind 
uh, telemedicine and it's actually picking up pretty good here. I know the physio is a uh, program that a lot of clinicians use in the state of California. And it's something that you can easily have uh, work, have a patient do their HEP in front of you. However, they still do the evaluation typically in person. And I think that you can only be so specific virtually. Um, and if it's a problem that's not straightforward, it's very difficult to get the same presentation um, virtually than you can in person. And so, uh, Obviously, it's not going to be at 100% of that care. I mean, maybe you can get as really close to that 100% depending on the, the issue the person is, is seeking you for. But if it's a complex issue, I think you're better off seeing someone in person. Now, if it's a basic issue, um, then I think tele, telehealth or telemedicine has some utility and there's, there's value behind that. Um, and then in terms of the digital PT, the virtual PT, the, uh, the programmings that we have created. So there are programs that we've created. Um, there's two, tip, uh, two big ones, the low back one, the shoulder one, and then we have a HEP program, but, uh, the shoulder one and low back one, I think the goal here, um, with what we've created is not to replace in-person physical therapy. The goal here is to allow people that don't have access to healthcare um, allow people that don't have time to go see a physio or physical therapist. I have plenty of friends that have discomfort and whether their co-pays too high or whether they, uh, they just don't have time and they'd rather live with the pain. Uh, they, they're just not going to go see, seek help in person. And so these are the people that we're addressing and we have plenty of our, our following, like you said, is, is all over the world. And there's plenty of people that don't even have access to, decent quality physios. There's countries out there that physios isn't even a thing. Um, I know Mike was just in China and there was no such thing as physical therapy. They didn't have rehab. They have doctors to make sure you're alive. And then there's some personal trainers that are kind of dabbling with, with uh, rehab, but I mean, they don't, they don't exactly know how to address shoulder pain or back pain. And so the, the goal with what we've created is to allow people um, that don't have these criteria or don't have this access uh, to still get somewhat of a uh, rehab that's digital. And the low back one is very customized to where it does ask specific questions and then it has an algorithm where it weeds in and weeds out certain interventions. Um, the shoulder one doesn't really have that subject same algorithm build, but it has a little more of the educational piece where it's like, if you have mobility deficits, go through these positions, then you can address your, your mobility dysfunctions. Um, but place uh, in-person physical therapy, we always recommend that. Um, it's not necessarily supposed to be medical advice. It's more just teaching people how to uh, improve, whether it's control, strength, endurance, or these, like we were talking about before, low-hanging fruits where there's, there's common impairments that we see um, that if we just try to make sure people address, uh, I think that they're better off long-term. It's hard to show that there's risk factors for shoulder pain. I know that there's always this debate, um, but in general, I think that if someone continues to load and stays consistent with exercises, regardless of what the exercises are, 
they're likely going to be a little bit better off. A hundred percent. That's something we're big at, you know, big at Matt, you know, he's building that functional capacity, you know, whether it is strength or balance or, you know, improving their movement efficiency. Um, you know, there's all those capacities that we, you know, if we can start to take some load off those tissues and stuff, people are going to generally feel better. You know, if they're feeling yeah. fitter, the stronger, that their day-to-day tasks are going to be a lot easier as well. So I love the, I love the approach. I think it, I think it's really awesome. So is um, telehealth a thing in Australia? It's very big and it's very growing. I'm actually uh, going to be doing recording with a couple of people who do some telehealth uh, in the next uh, month or so, which is pretty mm. uh, exciting to get their take on it because, yeah, I definitely like you. I think there's a place for it. Um, but I think, you know, given my bias is big around the, some of the physical assessments and that sort of stuff, some you can definitely do remotely, some of the body weight strength testing and those type of things. Um, but there's some things, as you said, you, you, sometimes those more complex ones need to be done in person i think too so i'm gonna be really interested to chat to them as well yeah no that'd be interesting i'm gonna have to check that out so tell me a little bit more about how you manage your day and all these different things so you've got your different um, back and shoulder um, programs you got your home exercise program uh, app and then you're working as a clinician a couple of days a week how do you find this and this is quite um, typical I guess for the modern uh, physiotherapist we're all often multitasking doing lots of different things so (laughs) how do you go about managing it every day is so different that's the that's the crazy part about what we do and the three of us could be doing one thing for 10 to 12 hours that day and then never do it again for I don't know another two three four months but uh, in general I would say the three of us I mean thankfully we all live within the same area um, which doesn't make it too difficult to meet but even in Los Angeles traffic is terrible we meet virtually probably more than we meet in person just because it's it's easier um, but uh, I would say so I'll, I'll break it down like this two days a week all of us are in the clinic um, we always want to treat patients I think that helps us be better educators uh, if, if we continue to treat patients and I know initially we told ourselves we wouldn't go less than 20 hours a week. Uh, and that happened a little bit quicker than we anticipated just because the online business was, was booming and we, we loved what we did and we wanted to capitalize on it. Um, so we, we treat patients 20 hours, uh, anywhere from, I guess, six, two days a week. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are the days that uh, we, we work out of the house or, or we go to local coffee shops and, and get our work done, which can consist of a variety of different things. We, we actually came out with our own podcast. We constantly are filming content to improve, um, improve this HEP platform that, that we built out, uh, which is, is pretty functional. I actually have to get you on it, but basically there's tags, there's tags on the left where you search all these different body parts, diagnosis, muscles, equipments. And once you click on a tag, all the videos will populate for that tag, or you can use the search bar as well. Uh, and search for a specific exercise. You can create playlists once you have all the exercises, send it out to your patients and clients. Um, so that that's a big undertaking of ours, uh, just building out this this uh, HEP program. And we're constantly always trying to improve our craft. So things that we've built, like old articles, we're always going back, changing it just to make sure uh, it's staying relevant. There's some things, even within the last three years, that have changed. and we want to make sure we're constantly keeping up to date uh, Instagram posts. I mean, once something is old at that point, no one's, no one's really going back to look at it, but blogs stay on the web forever. 
and we want to make sure that that content remains uh, of high quality. But there, there's so many different things that we're doing. We're cr trying to create a program really for every body part. Uh, and the next one's the knee. And I know the knee is, is a common issue, but same idea with the shoulder, just, just kind of addressing uh, all parts of the lower extremity to, to build is uh, this, this functional capacity or, or tissue capacity uh, of all the structures surrounding the knee. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're always doing this on our toes. Same thing with, with you. I mean, there's, there's always something going on. And so how do you keep up to date with, with all the research and uh, all the content, you know, that you're rolling out? Like what's your strategy? Obviously producing this material is a great way for you to keep up to date, but, uh, but how do you go about collecting all this research and, and staying up to date with the latest yeah, evidence no, given how busy you are? I, I, I love that because uh, creating content actually helps me remember the content a little bit better because not only have I read it, reading it is one thing. Yes. However, when I'm, producing it and putting my own spin and uh, actually applying it to patients is where I, I truly understand something. And I think uh, even for example, when I teach, I teach we all three of us teach uh, blood flow restriction training uh, around the States. And I talk to them about um, how there is no perfect model of treating people, but there's some models that are better than others. We know some things that don't really work too well in, in the rehab setting. And so at least let's try to mitigate those and maximize the things that we know do work. Um, but in general, I use this app called QXMD. And when there's certain keywords that I want to stay up to date with, have you heard of that QXMD? I haven't actually stumbled across that one. Uh, I've got, got a similar program that sort of we use to tra track things, but um, yeah, I'm going to definitely go and have a look at that. Yeah. So there's certain keywords in certain journals that I follow. And when there are, uh, it, whenever I'm interested in follow, I guess first thing is whenever there's a new article that comes out, it emails me and notifies me and I'll know that I have the option of reading it a bit right then and there at some point. But oftentimes like I try to set aside at least one hour to uh, do a little bit of continuing education on my own where I'm reading articles or at least going through and skimming uh, the different content that was recently published. And there's so much stuff that's, that's on there though. I have to pick and choose, but giving myself a dedicated amount of time um, a couple days per week allows me to stay consistent with it. Cause if not, and I'm like, Hey, whenever I have free time, I'll read it. It doesn't happen. There's always something to fill up, fill up your time. And I think this, this app has helped me big time. Um, it doesn't necessarily give you the PDF of the articles, but at least it gives you the abstracts. And then I go into PubMed and uh, pull up the article and use that. And I also use um, Physio Network. Uh, I'm on Physio Network and I, I, I think you've written yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very close with Tim and uh, and Jason and the boys. So yeah, they do a nice. great job at um, you know producing some really up to date research each month. It's fantastic. Really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely recommend that to people. Um, but between those two, I think those are probably the the most consistent ways that I stay up to date. And then whenever I'm writing articles, I I go to town with uh, doing my own research. Sometimes it gets a little bit crazy. Like yeah. right now I'm looking up uh, everything with Achilles tendonitis and tendinopathies. And I've got like 20 different articles on my background right now. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's fun. At the end of the day, it's kind of like a, a piece of art. You get all this stuff and you put it all together. And then at the end of it, you look at it like, oh, okay, cool. That's, that turned out to be kind of nice. 
Yeah, it's awesome. So tell me some of your top tips for creating content. Like how do you, you guys produce, you know, a lot of great content. What are some strategies you use? Because that can become a, you know, a time-consuming task uh, and an overwhelming task for some people out there. Have you got any tips for, you know, some of the physios listening about how they can start to increase, you know, the amount of content they're producing? Um, yeah. So I told you the, the, the one strategy with what is it that I wish I would have known a, f- a few years ago, I think. Um, I, it's nice to talk to people outside of the rehab world uh, because that gives me a sense of what the average person knows uh, because in reality, I'm somewhat of a recent new grad and it allows this information that I know it hasn't always been, uh, in me. These are things that I've recently known. So I know what it feels like, or I knew what it was, was like not having known all this stuff. And I think that's actually to my advantage so that I can communicate with people that, that don't know this content, um, and get that message across a little more smoothly. Uh, the other, the other thing that I think helps us is actually seeing patients. Uh, I know there has been a time where we were like, should we just go hundred percent online? But we wanted to still see patients for the reason that it gives us a lot of ideas on how to create content. Uh, and we wouldn't be creative if, if we uh, stopped completely seeing people in person. And that gives us uh, a little bit of this artistic, uh, touch with our exercises. And also, uh, all three of us have, I know Craig, Craig was a uh, personal trainer. I've done some strength and con- conditioning uh, coaching. And uh, I know in physio, at least physical therapy school, I'm sure it's the same thing with physio school. There's a complete lack of education with exercises. And there's so many clinicians that come out and they, they know their manual therapy or they know some of these other techniques, but they don't understand how to uh, progressively, progressively overload a patient or how to progress or regress certain exercises. Um, and it's, it's a problem because uh, it doesn't make sense for the most build unit. We have very little amount of education on this specific topic. It, and so uh, having our background helped, uh, but I don't think physical therapy school uh, prepared us for necessarily being the best possible clinicians. And for us, we always just talk as well. I think we get ideas just from talking and recording and filming and messing around because we have dedicated time to film, which allows us to get better at uh, exercises or being creative with exercises. Again, if we didn't have that dedicated time, we wouldn't be thinking creatively about this. And I think this is a problem that I see, you know, lucky, being lucky enough to travel all around the world. I thought it was just something that, you know, came to me when I finished uh, my first master's uh, in osteopathy and sort of thought, oh, I don't have this exercise knowledge. And I went back to uh, physiotherapy school and did another master's and realized oh, I've got one two-hour class of Pilates in this whole physiotherapy <laughs> course. And then so it's, it's great speaking to people around the world and, you know, we've probably been to you know, almost 30 countries now and it's the same everywhere. It's really surprising that the physiotherapy education still hasn't, you know, moved down that route considering that's where they're telling us all the evidence is, but they're not actually giving students the skills to be able to go and do it, which is why I love, you know, checking into your page each day and just seeing like the great, you know, creative exercises that you've got, you know, I always learn something from those as well. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It, it blows my mind still how uh, there, there's now more education with Therex, NeuroRead, TheraActivity, these things that actually are shown in the literature like we're talking about that can help people. 
Everything else, uh, hit or miss, I mean, depending on the population, but we know exercises and strengthening definitely helps. So where do you think the future of physiotherapy is heading or physical therapy is heading? Mm, I would say uh, a couple different things. Uh, the, way, the way that I see where physical therapy is heading is, A, um, I think we're becoming more objective with our measurements, things like the dynamometer, things like um, the, the mat as well uh, helps big time uh, because that which doesn't get measured, doesn't get managed. And we need to objectively show not only ourselves, but the patient that, that they're improving in whatever we're, we're looking to improve. Uh, so I think being objective in things like these, um, like coach's eye, huddle technique, these movement analysis tools are great as well because uh, we can objectively look and see how someone's moving and measure these angles. Um, even things like IMUs where we're, creating having these sensors looking at acceleration uh, of like the tibia the femur uh, during specific movements are great so being more objective i think is uh one of the big ones and i think the it's my bias nicely <laughs> <laughs> i think the other thing and actually australia has has beat us here uh, is being at the forefront of physical health where if there is an ankle sprain a hamstring strain um, some shoulder issues, some neck issues, people directly go to their, their physio or physical therapist. That's, that's really the goal. And in America, it's slowly going that direction. We finally got some sort of direct access in all 50 states. Um, some are more limited than others, depending on the state. But we, uh, we at least have that. So legally, it's there. The problem now is convincing the insurance companies uh, that they don't need the script to see a physical therapist. However, the way that it's set up is, is not to our advantage currently. And it doesn't make any sense why someone needs to go get a script, even though they're going to come to us anyways, uh, just save, save their, save their dollars, come to see us. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then let's go take the next step. Um, but I think being the musculoskeletal people where I know in Australia, it seems like you guys are already there. Uh, but over here, it doesn't seem to be the case. I think we take it for granted over here in Australia. We've, um, yeah, when we travel through like Europe as well, Germany, Spain, these type of countries that do need, uh, you know, a referral for, to see the um, physical therapist, it does make it a lot more difficult, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. So what's next for the prehab guys? So you've obviously got a lot on your plate at the minute, but, you know, you guys don't seem like the ones who are going to be sitting still. Where, where do you guys see yourself in, you know, over the next three to five years? <laughs> Uh, three to, we, we, we typically plan, uh, one year at a time just cause things constantly are changing, but who knows in three to five years, we, we may have our own clinic. Uh, right now we're really focusing on online, uh, maximizing, uh, what we're producing online and making sure that's of the highest quality possible. Uh, once you start a practice, uh, you're kind of married to that practice and there's, constant maintenance that needs to be put into that practice, which is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that we're, we're not necessarily ready for that step at this point. So right now it's really focusing online, making sure that we are educating the public as best we can. Going back to that last point, uh, educating the public will allow people to realize the value behind physical therapy. And so if people want to go to see their physical therapist when they have that ankle sprain, they'll 
do what they need to do and try to come to that physio versus right now the way it's set up, they don't know what, what to do. They call their insurance company. They say, Hey, you got to see a physician. They go see their physician. And that's not the way that it should be set up. If someone has an injury, why do you need, why do you need to go see your primary care physician? Um, they're, they're not going to be doing any special tests for you. They're just going to refer either to orthopedic surgeon or physical therapist. And obviously we know it's, it's cheaper um, if it's a uh, basic musculoskeletal injury that likely doesn't need surgery um, to see that, that physio. But it's, it's going to just be creating content online as much as, as, much as we can. Uh, and having these extra days now, we, we recently cut down to, to two days in the clinic, uh, has allowed us to really speed up that, that process. Awesome. Awesome. No, I think that's uh, it's great to you know, see you getting that balance in there because I know it can be um, a bit overwhelming if you're sort of you know, running a couple of businesses and multiple different projects. So it's good to see you guys uh, really you know, got your focus uh, on that niche, uh, which I really love seeing. Yeah. So how can people haven't heard about you guys? They're, uh, they're obviously not on Instagram, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> how, can they, how can people find out more luckily at your you know, blood flow restriction courses, uh, obviously around your home exercise prescription app, uh, you've obviously got and, and all the programs uh, for the general uh, population as well. Where do they find yeah. you? Yeah, so we are at the Prehab Guys on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, our website. We just did a... Uh, like total makeover of our website that just recently relaunched. Um, it's theprehabguys.com. There's a cool little body map too for anyone that's looking to learn more about specific exercises. Um, there, you just choose a body part and it'll show you all the exercises in terms of videos, blogs, um, um, and programs that we have for that specific body part. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's that way if you're, if you're looking to learn more specifically, all you got to do is go to the body map. And then we also came out with our, our podcast not too long ago. Uh, that's the Prehab Audio Experience. Fantastic. Great podcast as well. So, Arash, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, really yeah, got a lot of great tips out there for people, I think, to go away and start to think about and start to apply you know, in their businesses uh, and in their profession. Well, Stephen, yeah, thanks for having me on. That was fun. That's another 21st Century Physio Podcast, proudly brought to you by Matt, innovators and world leaders in movement assessment technologies that bring your practice into the 21st century. For more great information and tips to bring your practice into the 21st century, head over to www.podcast.physio. Lastly, if you love the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. It's very much appreciated. See you on the next episode.